Hello and welcome to another episode of Pursue the Talks, brought to you by Pursue, a bespoke leadership coaching and development company working with international school leaders all over the world, and supported by Fabicia, the Federation of British International Schools in Asia, a diverse and inclusive community of 78 leading British international schools spanning 18 countries across the Asia region. My name is Nicholas Mackay. Associate Professor, Certified Professional Coach and Director of Pursue. And I'll be your host in this fourth series of conversations exploring high performance in education. We'll bring you cutting edge stories from across the global education sector, delving into the minds of recognized education and industry experts to find out about the challenges and main issues they are facing and to gain insights into what is meant by high performance. Many thanks for your feedback coming in across the world including um, Jared Nolan, a school principal in the UAE. Nicholas, really like the show, very informative and always provides plenty of food for thought. So many thanks to your engagement and we're proud to be developing a truly global community. So if you'd like to join the Pursue conversation, you can visit us on LinkedIn and Twitter at Nicholas Mackay and Pursue. So let's get on with today's episode, in which I'm delighted to welcome Stephen Cox, Chief Education Officer at New Nordic School. Stephen is a successful international leader, having worked over 20 years in the government and private education sectors. He's worked at senior board level, leading year-on-year improvements in all aspects of leadership, change management, professional development, coaching, innovation, startup, digital strategy, and future of learning in the Middle East, North African region, Finland, and internationally. Stephen, thank you so much for joining me today, all the way from Dubai. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So I'm really, really excited to, to unpick a little bit about what you do today, um, Stephen, and, and in terms of you, the, the Finnish slant on education. So can you just give us a little bit about, a bit of context about your current role and what you do? So yes, uh, uh, I work as Chief Education Officer for New Nordic School, uh, which is based in Espo in Finland, just outside Helsinki, but as as you just pointed out, I actually am based in Dubai in the UAE, uh, and where I've been working uh, in the region for the last 13 years. Uh, so New Nordic School was born out of a concept uh, based on the fact that current educational systems and pr- are, are outdated. They're based on principles of mass production, they're standardized, prescribed, teacher controlled, and therefore, we need a new approach and one that prepares students for an unknown future. Uh, so at New Nordic School, we are transforming current systems of education uh, to address this problem of outdate, outdated, high cost, poor quality, location bound education. So my role is to provide overall leadership for the educational mission, vision, startup, planning and, and strategy. And being a startup organisation, I obviously get involved in other aspects of the company, such as business development, marketing, etc. So in terms of the, the Finnish education system, I mean, we often hear that this is a beacon of excellence in, in the world. So tell us a little bit about, more about the, you know, the foundations of that approach, Stephen. Yeah, so uh, I think that one of the things uh, to say about Finnish education and, and being ranked very highly in PISA scores is, is largely attributed to the society in Finland and uh, uh, being a very trusting society. So at every level uh, in education, for example, trust is passed down, right the way from government to leaders to teachers to, to students. And this level of autonomy creates this environment 
and conditions for uh, to enable this high performance that we see in, in Finnish schools. Uh, so we've realised at New Nordic School that you can't, it's very difficult to export trust to other countries, societies, etc. But you can build trust within a school. You can build trust within an environment. So our our uh, educational system is based on sort of some of the best practices from Finland. And then it's then localized and made in a more bespoke way wherever we go. So, for example, we really, really heavily depend on and put an emphasis on things like equal opportunities. So the central objective of Finland's education is to provide good quality, universal education. So, for example, uh, in the UK, where I'm from, uh, ultimately, we've got some very, very, very good schools and we've got some perhaps not so good schools, yeah? There's this kind of uh, uh, spectrum of, of, of schools. Whereas in Finland, every school is a good school, no matter where you go. So there's this real good quality universal education that that's free, that's inclusive and very comprehensive. Uh, another, another feature that uh, we incorporate is this learning through play, uh, particularly in the early years, which is uh, renowned at the beginning of a child's education, which really emphasizes learning uh, through play and activities that we plan are, are based around that. Uh, the personalized learning agenda, uh, where students uh, are really ranked not based on their exam scores, but actually what drives their passion, what drives their purpose, uh, because we know that actually high achievement doesn't can lead to low satisfaction. So ultimately, there are other factors that come into play. Uh, we also uh, don't focus in Finland on lots and lots of homework. So it's about having a, having a, a meaningful uh, after-school activity that supports and builds on learning. And, and in Finland, uh, the use of technology is widely used and widely accepted uh, that promotes sort of lifelong learning and inclusive education. So these features, uh, when you put them together, uh, can enable transformation of learning and, and education. So that's those are the, some of the elements that we feature in our educational system. That's great. Thanks, Steve. And in terms of this idea of personalised learning, multidisciplinarity and all, the, all these, these kind of different ideas from Finland. So how do they... How do they do that? So, you know, for example, if you've got a, a class of, of 15, 20 people and they've all got different interests, how can a, a, one teacher accommodate all those different interests and be a specialist in them? So we, yeah, our approach uh, is that uh, in Finland, there's, uh, there's uh, something called phenomenon-based learning, which is basically uh, applying uh, subjects across a, a phenomenon uh, for example, and so we've taken that as a basis for our research into our pedagogy. So at New Nordic School, we deliver interdisciplinary uh, learning, which we call quests. And we feel that quests are much deeper than project-based learning because they involve more than two or three subjects. And they're based around uh, a common theme, which is the UN Sustainability Development Goals. So ultimately, students choose what area of the UN Sustainability Development Goals they want to actually uh, not necessarily solve because it's very difficult to solve poverty, sustainability. But students learn how to learn doing something that drives their passion and gives them more purpose to their learning. 
So ultimately, they learn in, in a collaborative group. So everybody is able to contribute to that. So that formative assessment, that portfolio of evidence is built up over a period of time. To support that process as well, we have introduced a smart learning platform. Our smart learning platform with our partners actually uh, is an adaptive learning platform that takes data from the students and is able to then push back uh, information to a teacher so that they can differentiate accordingly with the live students in their lessons. Not students based on particular age or age, they're actual live students in, in, in the lessons. So we're, in, we're developing technology to support that uh, personalization as well. And I suppose with, with that context, how do you see the role of the teacher changing then, Stephen, in this new system? So I think we hear a lot about uh, a teacher's role moving from this kind of... Uh, uh, stand and deliver model, uh, what I used to say in the 80s, the adamant, if you remember adamant from, from there, the stand and deliver model, <laughs> to more kind of, uh, and then we hear the phrase facilitator of, mm. uh, of learning, that's, that's used now. I would probably describe our, our educational system more as a teacher, as an activator of learning. So there's a kind of partnership between the, the, the teacher, the student, and the technology and everyone has a role in that. And the teacher's role is, is more around activating uh, the, the, uh, the, the, the deeper learning that takes place around critical inquiry, thinking skills, et cetera, learning how to learn the metacognitive, and also building up the development of the finished core competencies. So we bring in the, a lot of the finished core competencies because a lot of uh, curriculums, uh, don't really feature that so much. So these skills of uh, non-cognitive skills of grit, perseverance, resilience, those are the skills actually we, we need right now. In fact, all of us need right now, quite frankly. And, and so those are much more evident and much more by required by, by students today. So that's a large focus of what of our curriculum as well. So the finished core competencies are things like you said, grit, determination, uh, resilience. They're, they're more around yeah, collaborative skills, right. uh, 21st century skills type approach to, to learning. But ultimately, those core skills that, you, that prepare students uh, for an unknown future, but also prepare them much more for the workforce uh, and also uh, for a knowledge-built knowledge, knowledge society and, uh, and to give them those skills that really uh, enable them to uh, be more innovative, be more entrepreneurial, uh, and to take control of their own learning. And within this, this um, system that you're, that you're establishing, Stephen, do you need teachers to be face-to-face for the whole week, or is this kind of a blended approach, or is it a purely virtual approach? So currently our model, our educational system is based on a, a traditional kind of bricks and mortar physical school right. where, you know, uh, uh, in, a, in a, I guess, a, in a normal setting in a sense of uh, having a, a normal school day. Uh, but we have, we are developing our smart learning platform in three stages. So we, we're developing the educators platform, which will support the teacher uh, around planning uh, lessons, around developing self-evaluation tools. 
around professional development. We're developing the platform uh, in terms of then adding the kind of machine learning, the adaptive learning, the, the AI, as, as, as people are calling it today. And the third component is to develop a personalized student platform where the student can directly interact with the technology and therefore that will enable us to offer a fully hybrid school, uh, which in theory means that a school doesn't have to be, uh, it could be half the size of what it is today. And students can actually learn courses more so at the high school level uh, in terms of being able to come and go from the school. So that, that gives us flexibility in terms of uh, where I think we're heading in education in the future as well. And in terms of that student portal, I mean, I've got a, um, a lot of experience setting up online courses and, and I know how much time, more front-loaded time it takes to get asynchronous material in place before a, a course starts, for example. So in terms of that student portal interacting, what does that look like? So in terms of our our model, we're not going to develop that ourselves because, as you just said, uh, it, <laughs> it requires a lot of money and a lot of time. Mm. And, uh, you know, I, I've also worked uh, for an AI company and uh, know what that involves. But also, so we're going to actually partner with... Uh, with, it, with an ed tech company that already has that solution. I but see. What we're able to do is, is bring the pieces of the jigsaw together because, you know, what, uh, what an ed tech solution perhaps is not able to solve is an outdated curriculum. It's still got to put that information in there that's, that's outdated. So we, we, are, we are providing all the pieces of the jigsaw to, to deliver a future-ready educational system. And in terms of qualification, so you mentioned high school there. So what do the students um, come out with after they've, they've been through that program? So we're now undergoing uh, with our high school program a kind of accreditation program. We realise that uh, examining, examination grades are still uh, very important, although it's interesting to see over the past six months how the examinations were cancelled. So, you know, and, and or postponed. And so, so are they that important? You know, and so what is important, you know, in terms of the, the future of education? So we realise that our educational system is kind of maybe a, a leap t- too far and we want to give comfort to parents and schools. So we have mapped out our curriculum to uh, traditional curriculums that are out there, such as UK uh, uh American and another another examination system. So uh, I guess what we're saying to schools and, and to to anybody interested in our education is we've got you covered. You can do the examinations and you can go and pass. You can get your grade A. You can go to university if that's what universities are still accepting in the future. However, here's the value add that we can bring with our educational system. Here are the core competencies. Here's the work work portfolio that we offer. Here's the evidence-based portfolio. All of the things that now we're starting to engage with universities, and now we're seeing universities not only accepting them uh, as part of their entrance to, to further studies, but also we see universities delivering interdisciplinary models as well of learning as well. So we do feel that there is this sea change and obviously we want to be part of that. But we also realise that we need to meet the needs and expectations uh, today as well. 
In terms of your teachers, Stephen, I mean, do you have these people with a Finnish background or is there some kind of training certification that potential teachers can go on to deliver this potentially different kind of education? So, again, uh, our model is that we, you know, two things about Finnish teachers, they are, they all have master's degrees. Mm. They're all highly trained, given autonomy, pedagogical experts. The reality is that that's not the case around the world. Uh, in fact, the other thing about Finnish teachers is it's a profession that there's a there's a waiting list for. It's really highly regarded and respected, yeah. mm. and ultimately, you know, it's a prestigious position. Is within... it well paid as well, Stephen? That, that, I wouldn't say it was well paid. No, I would say yeah. it was the. It's more the motivation to want to become a teacher and make a difference. Right. Okay. I would say. Uh, but ultimately, I think you know most paid government pay is, is pretty similar as it is uh, elsewhere around the world. But ultimately, so there's that. So we can't, you can't export that in a sense. And also, there's, you know, you, you cannot say as well that if you put a Finnish teacher in the middle of, you know, uh, an Indian school, that actually the cultural differences are quite, mm. quite uh, considerable as well. So our model is basically to uh, create that vision and ethos in the school around our values our core values uh, that we have. And ultimately that may require one or two Finnish leaders within the school setup, or certainly certainly leaders who have Finnish experience, that Finnish uh, uh, pedagogy uh, and, and know how to uh, develop that culture. And then we look at building capacity from within. So we take a, a local teacher and we put in place a very thorough coaching uh, process that builds capacity for those teachers to improve. And that begins right at the recruitment phase. So it's about recruiting teachers with a growth mindset, for example, you know, who, who, are, who are actually open to want to improve rather than, I guess, uh, maybe how we've recruited teachers in the past. And it's not just about subject knowledge, for example. There are other skills and attributes that we look for. And I know we had a quick chat before we started recording about the importance of coaching, didn't we, Stephen? And I know you're very passionate about that as well. So how's, how's that approach going to weave its way through um, your system? Yeah, and I think it's because, because we want to scale up. We want, this, we want to, share, want to uh, really share this education system around the world. So it's got to be of quality, but it's also got to be affordable at the end of the day. So, I mean, technology will, will play a large role in that with our smart learning platform. But ultimately, it's about building an implementation model that is actually going to be cost-effective but have the most, most amount of impact. So, uh, you know, we, we know that if we go to a... If we do, like, training course after training course after training course, we know the research around the limited impact that has... On, on teachers, you know, and uh, I know from working previously as a director for professional development, you know, uh, the, the impact of that, you know, and the evaluations of saying nice lunch, but, you know, that's about it, you know. So ultimately it is about actually building uh, this, this, the ability for the school to, to sustain its own improvement so we can effectively walk away. And the most effective professional development to do that is coaching. So, you know, where where basically uh, for somebody want to want to improve, it's got to come from themselves. 
and and you unlock that you unlock that potential and you build that kind of safety net in a school where failure is okay and where risk taking is okay because if you fall there's a net of support to help you bounce back up and ultimately you create then create the right conditions uh, for, for for learning I really like what you said there about recruitment. I mean, it's, it's crucial, isn't it? It's getting the right people in, in into, into your, your, your team. And I know a lot of the, the coaching that I've done, especially historically, really, is, is when you come in to coach someone who's been recruited by somebody else, doesn't quite fit in with the team at the moment, um, not potentially performing as, as certain people think you know they should. And it's kind of, in some ways, sometimes a little bit too late. And I think that process needs to start before they, you know, they, they're into, into role, during, and then potentially afterwards as well. So you're wrapping around that support rather than just like, you know, something's going wrong, let's get a coach in to sort it. And you work with someone for a month and that's it. It's not sustainable, as you said. No, absolutely. It really does begin uh, at that recruitment phase. And unfortunately, you know, I, you know my experience has been somewhat... Uh, mixed in terms of education and how we recruit we do we do seem to be recruiting like uh, from standards from 10, 10, 10 20 years ago for examples we want if we're looking for students in the future to have have these skills and competence that that we're talking about and strong emotional intelligence shouldn't they be with the teachers as well you know ultimately mm-hmm. They shouldn't be re- be recruiting to the to those standards as well. Shouldn't be looking at more skills. I've met outstanding teachers before who have been reluctant to share any of their resources. Yeah. You know, so is that a good thing or not? You know, so isn't shouldn't we be asking those questions right from the start, right at a leadership level appointment to ultimately a teacher level? Uh, because you know, I'd, I'd much rather work with those kind of people. You know, who are optimistic and, and have a growth mindset. Than be to become kind of uh, drainers almost uh, in a sense. So that's an interesting point there, Stephen. So in terms of uh, maybe a, a new philosophy or style of leadership to accompany your your system, you know, what are some key attributes that you'd be looking for for, for school leaders to to fit into what you're trying to do? Yeah, I think that our, so our leadership program, it, it, you know, I and it's. It's a good question to ask at this moment in time because I think my answer has is, is probably sort of changed a bit uh, in, the, in the last year because, you know, the idea that you had this 10-year vision and strategy has just gone out the window, you know. And, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, and so this, this notion of being very sort of uh, keeping things simple uh, and, uh, you know, a, a leader really kind of reducing all this noise. Uh, and I think much more than ever now, I think that... Uh, the focus is very much on well-being as well, uh, which I think is is, is right, rightly so. Uh, and I think that you know this this Maslow's hierarchy of needs, you know, and uh, ultimately getting that right for for somebody to thrive within within the environment or culture that you're operating in. But uh, you know, I think simply put, I think that our leadership development and our leadership within our own club company in terms of the culture that we're looking to create is about having sort of common vision goals collaborating and uh, we have uh, four values at new nordic school that we really uh, everybody lives within within our company and uh, the, the, we really that guides our decisions so our first one is is be bold uh, we're not perfect, you know, take risks, make mistakes, learn from them. Our second one is innovate, you know, creativity is at the core of what we do. Employ creativity and, and, and original so- solutions. 
A third value is around collaboration. We believe the best results are achieved by collaborating. And I've worked across schools in my roles, and uh, I'm a big believer in the greater being better than the one. and also empowerment. You know, when you empower, you make things happen. So creating the conditions for empowerment uh, so that everybody can sort of shape their future. Uh, and I think finally, it'd be worth mentioning that we try to encourage people to have fun. You know, so even at this moment in, in time, you know, having fun, being happy. So I always ask my, uh, the people that I, I line manage, you know, are you happy? You know, are you happy? You know, and it's, it's really important uh, that people are happy in their work. And when you ask them if they're happy, what do they say, Stephen? <laughs> Normally they say yes, they are. Or if not, then hopefully I've set up a, a culture for them to talk to me about the reasons why they may not be happy. But ultimately, uh, you know, I think it's about controlling the things that you can control and, you know, and letting go of some of the things that you can't control. And at the moment, it's a difficult time for everybody. Uh, and obviously, everybody is, is not happy, uh, not just people that I work with, but obviously, people that I know. So, uh, uh, but, but there is still this, uh, it's, there is still this notion of having purpose. And if you can find a purpose, you can, you can be more happier. And in terms of people listening to, to this, uh, this conversation, Stephen, who are thinking, oh, I quite like the sound of this. What are the first stages in engaging with you? And, and then if they're interested, again, and you know, they sign up for this, what does the, you know, the next six months, the first year look like? Sure. So, uh, so our, in terms of what we offer, you know, we offer an educational system, which uh, ultimately is a license model, uh, which is our curriculum, our pedagogy, uh, our smart learning platform and then our implementation and uh, we are also uh, with our partners in different parts of the world uh, we we are able to manage schools as well so if an owner or an investor wanted to set up a school we would be very open to having a conversation around that for, for a new school uh, normally for new schools uh, it normally starts at the kindergarten phase that's the starting point for a new school so we are working uh, in India, we're working in, in the Middle East, we're working in Southeast Asia, and uh, we're setting up kindergarten schools uh, with, with clients that want to set up a new school. So the process is, is a kind of a feasibility study in terms of the, uh, of, of the match, uh, and that's just not the location, but the values that, that we have as well. So that's really important uh, because we, want to, we really want to make a difference. And then we, then we go through the process of doing all the pre-opening services, the curriculum, the academic plan, a business model. And then ultimately we support in the implementation when the school opens. Uh, for, for, for existing schools that are looking to uh, deliver something different or maybe looking to improve their own school, uh, we undergo a gap analysis with the school to see where the where the where the areas of strength are, where the areas for improvement, and then we do generally do a pilot program where we pilot uh, one or two of our quests, and then there's a general steady rollout of our educational system. Some schools don't want a whole educational system. We offer consultancy, for example. We're 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 doing at the moment really reasonably priced uh, online courses. Uh, on well-being, on Finnish education, on leadership, uh, which is a, a, a way in to, to, for us to establish a, re, a relationship. 
or we may deliver some pedagogy. Uh, really, we're open to that discussion, and uh, you know, and uh, I'd love for people to contact me. And if people want to contact you, Stephen, what's the best way for them to do that? Uh, best way for them to do that is my email address, which is uh, stephen.cox at newnordicschool.com. Sorry, sorry, I've said that wrong. Stephen.cox at newnordic.school. And ultimately, or our website, which is www.newnordic.school. We don't have a .com in our website, which is always confusing. (laughs) Yeah, I'll put those in some of the notes as well. Um, If we just change the the shift of the conversation here a little bit, and I'm really curious to know about your education journey, Stephen, and what's most influenced you? What's most influenced me? I guess that... uh, So I think that what's most influenced me is... So I've actually had two careers, by the way. I was a haematologist for 10 years. Okay. And then, and then I went into teaching. I, it was a conscious decision to, to go and become a teacher. You know, I didn't, I didn't drift into it like maybe some people do ultimately. Uh, and so uh, I, that actually helped me, I think, in my, in my teaching career because I accelerated my teaching career quite quickly. Uh, so I worked, uh, I moved it up, up, the, up the ladder quite quickly to a teacher, senior leader. I led a local authority uh, in the UK, and then I came out to the UAE in 2007. And, and all of my roles have been uh, across schools mainly, not necessarily within a school. Uh, so in terms of the biggest influence on me, uh, uh, I, w- I would say that I've probably seen, I've seen a lot. So I've seen, I've seen the good, I've seen the bad, and I've seen the ugly, <laughs> quite frankly, in education. Uh, and I've worked with some amazing educationalists. And so I think I've been really lucky and privileged to sort of try in my own practice now to take the best bits from this kind of variety uh, of, of leaders and, and schools that I've seen. You know, I've worked across seven different curriculum. So that's kind of, uh, that's kind of been a, a big influence on me to try and and take the good and, and apply it in one setting and uh, ultimately, you know, what I'm doing now. I really resonate with the idea of having a career before teaching and also having lots of different roles. Um, I think sometimes uh, in education, things get hyper-specialised and you, you don't kind of put your head above the trench and, and, and see what else is going on. So I think it's really, really rich to have that experience and and lots of people that I work with in regards to teacher training have a you know a changing career and they bring something completely different to the table, um, which is really, really beneficial, really, really interesting and very engaging um, that perhaps they wouldn't have brought if they'd started off their career straight from university. So it's nice to have a real mix of experience, I think. Yeah, and so I was a haematologist, as I said earlier, and so that's the study of blood. And so, you know, when I went into teaching, I was a biology teacher and uh, did a lot of A-level uh, uh, studying and, uh, and teaching and uh, set up, you know, health and social vocational courses back in the UK. And But what was interesting was uh, when I used to teach the students, particularly A-level students, you know, used to sort of uh, say to me, you know, sir, we don't forget the text, but just tell us some stories. 
you know, <laughs> you know, we can learn all this stuff from the text, but just give us some stories for an hour. And, uh, you know, and so uh, I think that having that in your locker, I guess, is was a, a really a, a plus, I think, and it helped me gain sort of a, not just credibility, but also respect in terms of being able to have a having experienced something and and uh, apply it in a in a learning context for a, for an A level course, I guess. Uh, so yeah, I get get what you're saying. And in your current role, Stephen, you know what do you most cherish about it? What what what's it what's it get? How's it get you up in the morning? You know what are the what are the key points that you think? Yeah, this really enthuses me. I'm, I'm where I should be. Yeah, I think at the moment, as I said, I'm working for, working a. a Working for a startup company, you know, or even though I've kind of worked for large organizations and startup sort of cultures within them, you know, and bubbles of, of, of entrepreneurship, I think now it's really, really good to be working not just for a startup company, but ultimately working on something where I can really make a difference. Uh, I don't know why, but sometimes I feel that any success that I've had in education has been despite, not because of. Because I think of because of the current educational system, uh, and so now I have a chance uh, with the team that I work with to develop something that you know can make a difference and ultimately transform students' lives. So I'm very passionate about that at the moment, and I think it's you know uh, it's it's putting me in a position uh, to be able to really work with. I think, and there's a lot of a lot of educationists out there. This kind of massive swell of education talking about this change now uh, and someone's got to do it and so why not us you know and ultimately uh, I, I think the only way for us to fail is not to do it at all so you know uh, I think somebody said to me if it's never been done there's no way it can go wrong so you know I think I think that's so that's really driving my crash passion now at this stage of my career I suppose you're living your values of being bold aren't you and going exactly. out there making it happen exactly, yes um, I always ask this, this of all my guests as, as a, a kind of cadence to the conversation, and that is what piece of advice would you give yourself at the start of your career? So, yeah, good question. Uh, I think there's a – in terms of my teaching career, uh, it might be slightly different to, to my hematology career, but in terms of my teaching career, uh, I would probably give the advice of, you know, focus, focus on being respected. Uh, rather than being liked, uh, because I think you know a lot of teachers go go into education wanting to be liked, and and ultimately uh, that does often doesn't always lead to to improve learning outcomes for students. I think if you focus on on doing a good job, the light the light bit will come come later. And uh, I think uh, I think just try to do more good things more often as well I think is, is, a, is a good bit of advice so it's, it's a bit of leadership advice uh, that I offer and uh, I think the last bit of advice would be you know put your own oxygen mask on first before you put it on other people as well uh, particularly in teaching. Yeah it's really relevant isn't it well thank you so much for joining me today Stephen I know that you're extremely busy and you've been in um, the, um, the Middle East for quite a while now haven't you? Yeah I've been working here in, in, uh, for the last 13 years uh, mainly in the UAE, but I had a spell as well in Qatar uh, for four years. Uh, and so, yeah, but ultimately now working for New Nordic School, because uh, obviously, you know, even though our, our company is based in Finland and our co-founders are Finnish and we're Finnish 
through and through. Uh, you know, the idea is obviously to export that internationally. So uh, although we are just opening now our first supercell uh, daycare in, in uh, Finland in, in January, which is exciting. Well, I wish you the very best with, with the initiative, Stephen. I'm, I'm sure we'll, we'll keep in touch. And you've, um, you've been a great guest to have on the show. So many thanks. Thank you very much for having me. If you are interested in working with Pursue through our coaching and leadership development packages or would like to connect to discuss any of the topics in the show, please send me an email at hello at pursue.com or visit our website, pursue.com. You can also follow me on LinkedIn and Twitter at Nicholas Mackay or Pursue. If you enjoy the show, please leave a rating and spread the word. We are proud to be developing a truly global community. Take care and look forward to speaking to you again soon.